Today on the podcast, we talk about copyright and comedy. The big music streamers are getting sued by some big entertainers, and the money on the line, well, it's no joke. Sorry. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So, as you could tell from that intro, I'm no comedian. But you know who is? Andrew Dice Clay. And you know who was? Robin Williams and George Carlin. These are just three of the six comics and their estates who are suing the streaming company Pandora over copyright infringement. Spotify is not a party to this suit, but they're also in similar disputes with comedians out of court. According to a recent story from Bloomberg Law's Isaiah Poritz, the jokesters actually have a pretty strong case. It basically all comes down to this weird distinction in copyright law between musical compositions and spoken word recordings, or in other words, stand-up comedy. And it has the potential to totally change the way any non-musical recording gets licensed. I invited Isaiah on to explain this all to me, and first I wanted him to lay out how licensing works for music. Yeah, so... Unless you're a total music nerd or unless you are part of the music industry, you probably didn't know that a musical track has two attached copyrights. And that was first established in 1972 when the U.S. Congress recognized a sound recording as having its own separate copyright. So that means that any given musical track, um, there is a copyright that protects the sound recording of that specific track. And then there's a copyright that protects the musical composition, which includes the sheet music and the lyrics. Um, so that's a kind of weird system, but it does allow you to do interesting things with um, bands covering other people's songs. So I think a good way of thinking about this is Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. But it turns out that song was originally written and recorded by Dolly Parton, the country singer, in 1974. So uh, Dolly Parton still owns the lyrics and the composition to her song. And for Whitney Houston to reproduce that song and cover that song, she needs to obtain a license from Dolly Parton to use that. Um, And again, what's weird about the system is that different people can own the different copyrights. So in the music industry, almost always the record label owns the specific sound recording. So Dolly Parton probably doesn't own um, her version of that song, but she still owns the lyrics, the copyright to the lyrics and the the composition. So in other words... If I wanted to post a like clip or an MP3 of Whitney Houston's version of I Will Always Love You, I'd have to ring up Whitney Houston's estate and get permission from them for the recording. Then I'd have to give Dolly Parton a call, which I've always wanted to do, and uh, get permission from her because she owns the copyright on the lyrics and the you know the the actual song itself. Am I understanding that? Yeah, yeah, essentially, and it depends on what exactly you're using the song for. Right, but there's fair use and there's, yeah. So it gets a little bit quite complicated, actually, in terms of what you exactly you need. Um, but generally speaking, in order for a big music streamer like Spotify or Pandora to stream a song on demand, they do need to have two licenses for one song. And oftentimes that requires obtaining two separate licenses because they're separate copyright owners. But here's where it gets interesting. Uh, for some reason, we're it doesn't work that way, or at least 
We don't know if it works that way for stand-up comedy, for recorded comedy routines. What's the issue here? Why is there this sort of, you know, kind of vagueness with comedy and that's not there with music? Yeah, so essentially since, you know, the 1970s, there has been decades of litigation and, you know, laws passed by Congress that sort of established this very, very complicated network and framework for licensing music. Um, but it seems like that entire time, the whole licensing music industry has just overlooked spoken word content. Um, I think for the longest time, it just wasn't recognized as, you know, something that would generate a lot of revenue for the people who use spoken word content. Comedians today still get most of their money from going on actual tours, but they're beginning to recognize that you can make money off of streaming your albums from um, big music streamers like Pandora and Spotify. But under copyright law, a musical composition is a very you know specific thing and a literary work, which is what would be the jokes and the comedy routine. Those are considered separate you know, copyright categories. And for the longest time, all these laws, all these lawsuits have just not paid attention to those literary works that make up a joke and a comedy routine. I feel like, not to go off on a tangent here, but I feel like I encounter this on this job all the time where I learn about some sort of unresolved legal dispute and I'm like, how is this still unresolved? It's 2022. We've had recordings for decades like, and we still don't know what the copyright status of stand-up comedy, comedy routines are. Like, this is, it was mind-blowing to me that this is not a resolved, settled issue. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think a big part of it is that there was never really the organizations to represent comedians as a collective before. It was only in the past three years that, that two different groups have become the first um, performance rights organizations to, to collectively represent comedians and spoken word artists like poets to represent their literary works as, as a copyright. And this this would be the this would be the equivalent of organizations like BMI or ASCAP, which you know represent the rights for musicians. Right. So those are the two largest, um, you know, composers performance rights organizations. So they represent, um, yeah, the people who write the lyrics, who write the compositions for music, and they they create blanket licenses for streaming services like Spotify and Pandora or anyone else who wants to perform the music of, of musicians, they take the revenue, the royalty revenue from those performance, you know, those performances and then send them back to those artists. There's never been anything like that before for comedians until the past three years. So um, part of the issue is that these streaming platforms just didn't really know who to go for in order to obtain a license. You know, it's much more difficult to seek out individual copyright holders than to develop a blanket license where you can use you know, a thousand comedians and all of their content. But that doesn't mean that they're off the hook for copyright infringement. The law doesn't work that way. Right. And that's the the key to what's going on here, which is that, uh, you know, there are a lot of comedians who have recorded their routines and now those routines are available on Spotify and other streaming services and Pandora. And uh, those comedians aren't happy uh, and they are suing the streamers. Tell me about this, this lawsuit and... Um, I got the sense from your story that the streamers' position here, the defendants, not looking too good. Can you explain why? Yeah. So um, this year in, in March, 
six different uh, comedians or their estates brought essentially the same copyright infringement lawsuit against Pandora. They were recently condensed all down into to one lawsuit. Um, but there's some pretty big names, including the estate of, of Robin Williams, the estate of George Carlin. And they're the only words that seem to have that restriction. I mean, there are a lot of words you can say whenever you want, you know, pneumonia. Nobody gives you a lot of... Um, you know, two comedian, legendary comedians who've you know shaped stand-up comedy for the past few decades. Their estates still own the copyright, so they can bring an infringement suit. Um, but they've essentially been saying that, look, Pandora has actually actively advertised the fact that they have um, a lot of comedy recordings and comedy albums on their service. That's a reason to subscribe to them, a reason for advertisers to pay for ads on the platform. But they never obtained a license from the people who own the underlying work, who own the jokes and the comedy routines of those albums. And what makes it difficult is that uh, from 2011 to 2017, their SEC filings, while they were still a public company, they've since been bought by SiriusXM, but while they were still a public company, company, those filings said that one of the risk factors for them is the fact that they don't obtain a license for the underlying work. So they kind of admitted that already in their SEC filings, which puts them in a difficult position. I don't want to call that a smoking gun because I think that's a little too dramatic, but like, ooh, that's pretty close. That's pretty, I mean, when you say in your SEC filings, yeah, this is a risk factor that we might get sued over this copyright infringement, and then that suit actually does happen. It's going to be hard to win that suit. You're right, exactly. And so, again, they they say in that risk filing that, you know, at the time, um, there was no, you know, performance rights organization, an equivalent like BMI or ASCAP that could represent comedians that would make it easy for them to obtain a license. But again, the, the lawyers and the legal experts I talked to say that's not a, an excuse for copyright infringement. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean that um, you shouldn't have gotten the licenses to use that. And so that, that, that's pretty damning. That, that could mean if, if Pandora is aware that it needed to get the license but didn't, that could mean it was uh, you know, liable for willful copyright infringement, which bumps damages from $30,000 per infringing work to $150,000 per infringing work. Um, and so in total, between all six comedians, they're potentially in the hole for you know, tens of millions of dollars in uh, you know, liability, which is not, a, not a good, great for them. Ouch. Um, and we should say you reached out to the, the streamers here to get their take, and I think they didn't respond, right? Yeah, yeah, neither of them responded. Neither Spotify or Pandora, um, neither of them responded. Finally, um, I want to tease out one detail in your story that I, I thought was really interesting, which is that, so what would happen if this lawsuit is successful and the streamers do need to obtain a separate copyright for these comedy routines? It would seem like it'd be a free-for-all. You know, the streamers would have to go and get licenses from every comedian I can't imagine that they are willing to do that for, you know, an up and coming comedian who is, you know, just getting started. Uh, that seems like it wouldn't be a good situation for the little guys, right? Yeah. So some of the one of the attorneys I spoke to said that this creating this type of legal landscape where, um, you know, these big streaming giants recognize now that they, they are going to be, you know, sued if they don't get the proper licenses and there aren't the sufficient collective rights organizations in place, uh, then they might just look to 
only sign big deals with some big name comedians. So obviously we've already seen Spotify sign a deal with, you know, Joe Rogan and podcasting has become a very popular thing with, you know, in-house deals. Um, and so the same thing might have be happening with, um, you know, big name stand-up, stand-up comics. I think with though a collective rights organization, it would be easier for a smaller independent comedian to sign with one of those collective rights organizations uh, in order to end up being part of that larger licensing deal. Um, so them trying to work out a deal themselves would be pretty difficult. But when there's collective you know, organizing in the market for that, that would likely help out. There's the, the two um, collective rights organizations for stand-up comics and, and spoken word artists is uh, Word Collections and Spoken Giants, which were formed in the last three years. Um, and they've been attempting to make some of these deals. Um, there was some big news last year, late last year, when Spotify actually removed the content of a whole bunch of comedians because they weren't able to develop a licensing deal with Spoken Giants. So, you know, Kevin Hart, you can no longer find his uh, comedy albums on Spotify. See, here's why I don't fight, man, because you don't know what people are capable of now. Too many people know too many different things. I'm serious. You know what I'm scared of? UFC fighters. You know why? Because they're real. You know, that's going to be a situation where we're going to see that playing out over the next couple of years. And there just hasn't been the same uh, sort of precedent or system of licensing in place. This is just so sort of new and novel that, um, you know, it's going to be playing out and, and we're just going to see how it how it works out. All right. Well, that was Isaiah Ports, uh speaking with us about comedy and copyright. Uh, Isaiah, thank you so much for talking. Right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at BLaw. That's B as in a man walks into a bar and no, not going to do that. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.